0: The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. How many of you, just to start with talking about singing, how many of you have at one time worn glasses or contacts? That's pretty good. You're, You're... you're kind of embarrassed. You're not raising your hand all the way because you're like, "I was called four eyes growing up," and you know, <laughs> okay, I was. Maybe you weren't. The uh, oh, I remember. I mean, those of you that didn't raise your hands don't understand what it what it means to see when you weren't seeing. I remember vividly. And it was a long time ago. It was when I was in grade school, which was at least five years ago. Um, Walking out of the doctor's office, which was in downtown Bremerton, and onto the onto the uh, sidewalk, and it was like a new world. Um, Do you remember that when you got your glasses? It's like cracks in the sidewalk. I before it was just all like a blur. It was like it was an incredibly new world um, and it was wonderful about ten years ago, I experienced a similar thing. It was a little different, but it was similar when I um, kind of didn 't like you know going running in the rain with my glasses and um, you know're they 're wet and And I couldn't wear contacts because I had dry eyes and so I had LASIK eye surgery. And it was almost the same thing where, um, I mean, except for the weirdness of smelling my eyes burning when, you know, when they did each one of my eyes, which (laughs) it only lasts for like one second. You just smell them like, (laughs) I hope it's going to be okay. And it was, it was incredibly okay. I went in that moment of burning my eyes uh, from 2400 to 2015, just like that. And again, when I walked out, I mean before, it, perfect eyesight. Um, um, it's easy to take that for granted, isn't it? Um, I mean, how amazing it is to see and, and, and to have vision where we can see. Um, kind of how we started in responding to Jordan, I think it's easy for us to take for granted how we see life too. How we, the perspective in which we look at things. Um, and it's almost like, you know, when they put the cones on the dog's heads so they don't bite themselves or whatever reason they put them on their heads for. And So they can only see what's in front of them. But I think so often we go through life in the same way with this tunnel perspective instead of a God perspective as we walk through life. Um. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says our struggle isn't against flesh and blood. It's not your spouse. It's not your wife, your husband, your kids, your parents, your boss, your employees. That's not the that's not where the battle really is. But it's against it says it's not against Flesh, and but, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We live in a bigger world, <laughs> a spiritual world. And how often as we go through this world are we focusing, fixi- fixating, and fighting against what's in front of us, which, what we can see with our five senses, instead of living life from God's perspective, the question I want to ask this morning is how can we see with spiritual eyes how things really are? So we're engaged in living in life as life really is. And as we're going to come to Second um, Kings chapter 6, I hope we will see that if we believe and pray and live in God reality, we will see as God intends for us to see. Kind of a fun story. We're gonna just look at Numbers chapter 22. To help us, it's kind of, it's kind of sad, but it's kind of funny. Numbers 22, the story of a guy called Balaam. Balaam was asked by Balak, the king of Moab, to curse Israel. Because he knew Israel was coming in and they were going to wipe him out. So he wanted Balak, who was kind of like a soothsayer, to curse Israel. God told Balaam not to go. But Balak promised Balaam a bunch of money and money talks. So Balaam sets out on his donkey. Do we have Numbers 22? Okay. So Balaam got up in the morning, right? He's going in disobedience to God. He saddles his donkey and went with the Moabite officials. God was angry. And the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. And Balaam is oblivious to this angel standing in opposition to him. He's riding on his donkey and his two servants were with him. Notice when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. The donkey turned off the road and into a field. So the, the donkey sees the angel, but Balaam doesn't. So Balaam beats the donkey to get it back on the road, not realizing that this donkey is saving his life. So then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path through the vineyards with walls on both sides. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. And Balaam's getting upset, and he beats the donkey again. So the angel of the Lord moves on ahead and stands in a narrow place where there's no room to turn, either to the right or to the left. And so when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it lay down under Balaam, and Balaam is furious and beats the donkey with his staff. And so, in kind of a funny sc- scenario, the Lord opens the donkey's mouth and it begins to talk to Balaam, which Balaam doesn't seem to have a problem with. The donkey says, what have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? And Balaam answers the donkey. It's interesting. He's, he doesn't get that something weird is going on. But he doesn't seem to have a problem talking to his donkey. He says, you've made a fool of me. If only I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. And so the donkey says to Balaam, am I not your own donkey, which you have always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? (laughs) Balaam says, no. Uh, And then the Lord opens Balaam's eyes. And he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn and he bows low and falls face down. You know, that's, isn't that us so often? I mean, it's like we treat our friends and our spouses and our employees and bosses like, like the donkey, like they're the problem because we don't see the bigger picture. We don't live in God-reality. So how do we, how can we live in God reality? Second Kings 6, which we're going to read now, uh, where we are about in our reading through Scripture. Um, I would encourage you, if you've kind of fallen off, man, dive in. There are some incredible stories um, in God's word. So we come to 2 Kings chapter 6, and we come to the person of Elisha. In verse 9, he's called the man of God. Elisha was the heir to Elijah that Daniel talked about last Sunday. So it says the king of Aram, um, if you weren't in the first gathering, anybody know where Aram is today? In what country Aram is? It's not the United States. (laughs) It's Syria. Syria. In fact, some modern translations say Syria, which is interesting in light of what Jordan shared this morning. Uh, These wars have been going on for a long time. So the king of Aram, or Syria, was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. So he's talking to his officers and said, we're going to set up camp, we're going to go after the king of Israel. But Elisha, verse 9, would send word to the king of Israel saying, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by Elisha. And time and time again, he warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. And Understandably, verse 11, this enraged the king of Aram. And he summoned his officers and demanded of them, tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel. So the perspective of the king of Aram is what? He's got a spy in his midst, right? He doesn't understand God reality. But his officers do. Verse 12, one of his officers say, none of us, my lord, the king, but Elisha, the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. That's a little un- discomforting, huh? Um, the other thing that I just noticed in passing, actually, as I was reading it, the first gathering, is this would be a great passage talking about boss-employee relationships because his officers knew what was going on the whole time and they never told him. <laughs> you notice that? Yeah. But, um, Verse 13, the king orders go and find out where he is so I can send men and capture him. The king of Aram does not get God reality. He, he has just been told that Elisha knows everything going on that he says in his bedroom, but somehow he still thinks he can go and capture this guy. So he hears that he's in Dotham and he sends horses and chariots and a strong force there. And they go by night and they surround the city. Verse 15, when Elisha's servant got up and went out early the next morning, an army, the Syrian army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. And he says, oh no, (laughs) Uh, what shall we do? I mean, he is, he's scared to death. He, too, doesn't really get God reality. Um, but Elisha, verse 16, he says, what are you afraid of? <laughs> those who are with us are more than those who are with them. What a, what a great... Um, you know, just a side note. You know, there are so many promises in Scripture where it says, nothing is impossible for God. God says, I am with you. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, if I'm for you, who can be against you? It it's almost like what Elisha is saying here, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. I mean, if we got that God reality, that God is with us. And so Elisha prays, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And so the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw that the hills surrounding the city were full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha, this massive angelic army. There was nothing to fear. And so as the enemy came down toward him, Elisha, he prays, strike this army with blindness. I, I, I love just Elisha's relationship with God. He just lives in God reality and so god struck them with blindness as elisha had asked and elisha told them this is not the road and this is not the city follow me he says i will lead you to the man you are looking for now actually they were looking for him but it's it's funny he leads them to samaria samaria is the capital city of israel and he leads them to the king of israel so the king of Aram has sent his army to take Elisha captive and now where he finds himself is his army is really captives within the city of Samaria. So they enter the city and Elisha says, Lord, open their eyes so they can see. And their eyes are opened and they look and there they are inside Samaria. The king of Israel, he says, Shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? Do not kill them, he answered. Would you kill those you have captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he prepared a feast for them, and after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away. They returned to their master and I love this last phrase so the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory isn't that great international conflict settler there <laughs> <laughs> I mean let's feast our enemies <laughs> um, so the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory the big, the big question again is how can we see with spiritual eyes the way things really are um, I think there's three things I just want to pick out of this passage um, to help us t- to live in God's reality, to see things from God's perspective. And The first is, is believe. If we can, you know, just go back to verses 12 to 16, um, it, it lays out this incredible reality that if we would just get it, it would change our lives. Living in god reality that's where Elijah. hes he's living in this reality where God talks to him and he he speaks for God there's no fear because he knows God is form, and if god 's form, who can be against him he, he just he walks with God he lives in god reality for him you know an angelic army surrounding the hills of Dothan is just as real as the coffee, the tea, the water that you're drinking right now or the vehicle that you're going to get in to drive home I mean for Elisha reality for him was God reality we are we are bombarded daily by physical reality aren't we <laughs> by our five senses and and it's so easy for us to forget that there's a greater reality, a God reality we I mean from grade school all the way we're bombarded we're educated we're we're inundated with evolutionary education and and upbringing that all there is is matter (laughs) that all there is is what we can see that there's not a greater reality there's not a a god reality Um, that the spiritual is every bit as real as the physical whether or not we see it that we don't have to see an angelic army surrounding this building to believe but we but reading these stories and knowing that they're true stories this is history happening it's not fairy tales that we're reading here but this is real history this is god at work and he's the god who says that he's the same yesterday today and forever Um, the starting point is is god reality just one other fun story in daniel chapter 10 just want to read for you Um, daniel was serving cyrus the king of persia and a revelation from God came to him. It says its message was true, and it concerned a great war. So, um, And the understanding of the message came to him, but it comes to him at the end of what we're going to read here. So the revelation comes to Daniel, and in verse 2 it says, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks, because for three weeks in so desiring to understand the revelation that God had given him, he really goes for three weeks fasting and praying, seeking God. It says he ate no choice food, no meat or wine, touched his lips, and he used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. That would be really hard for me. i was just kidding. I don't do that. Um, But for three weeks, he's just... hes seeking God's face to understand and he's not giving up and then we get the kind of the back story verse four on the 24th day of the first month after he's been fasting and seeking God for three weeks he says I was standing on the bank of the great river the tigris I looked up and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from uffas around his waist His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude, this angelic being. And I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So Daniel's left alone, gazing at this great vision. No strength left in him. His face turns deathly pale. He's helpless. And then I heard him speaking. And as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. And a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed. And I I love this description of Daniel. And, And Daniel is highly esteemed by God because he's a man that just spends a lot of time with God. It's not because he was some super guy. He's just a guy that spent lots of time with God. And the angel says, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. And this this is what I want you to get. He said, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God. We're talking three weeks before. Since the first day, your words were heard. And I have come in response to them. So what took so long? It's this... Ephesians 6, our struggle isn't just against flesh and blood. It's, it's this spiritual reality, the spiritual battle. The prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. It's like the, these evil spiritual reality. Our individuals are fighting to keep Daniel from getting this revelation to write in the book of Daniel for us to understand but then Michael one of the chief princes and archangel came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia and I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns a time yet to come we get this picture of this spiritual reality that we're oblivious to most of the time most of us this spiritual reality that is Impacting nations, impacting marriages, parenting, boss-employee relations. How do we see this spiritual reality? If we go back to 2 Kings 6, verse 17, I love what Elisha does as his servant is scared to death. He sees this army surrounding Dothan. Elisha says in verse 16, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And how can he say that? It's because he sees. And so Elisha just simply prays, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And the servant's eyes are opened and he can can see. We need to be people of prayer. Not only people that that believe that this is reality, this God reality is a real thing. But then people that just say, God, open my eyes to see as you see. God open my eyes to see as you see. Ephesians 1 18 and 19, I've read these before. Paul, he prays that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believes. We come to the end of Ephesians chapter 3 and Paul prays again. He says, I pray that out of God's glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts, meaning that you'd in your hearts know and see him for who he really is. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how high and wide and long and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's what God wants us to see. Just an incredible glimpse of God reality. A reality that strips away fear, right? (laughs) Elisha, there's no fear going on here. That, That enables us like Jesus when we when, when we see people, not to see people by labels that the world puts on them or by political affiliations or whatever, but to see people as Jesus sees them with compassion. So, if we want to see, we need to be people that believe that there is a God reality. And we, we're people that pray, God, open my eyes to that reality. A, a good place to start would be these prayers in Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3. Open my eyes to see you and to see who I am as one of your children. And then to be people that just really commit to living in this reality. I was talking with somebody after the the first gathering because I made this statement that so often I think we're people who live like practical atheists. What do I mean by that? We're people who say, yeah, I believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, but I live not really, like I don't really believe that. Like I think that there's a difference between this God and the God that I worship today. I mean, I believe when Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, and I'm with you always, but I don't live as if he's with me always and all authority is his, right? And so I affirm truth and in my head I believe it, but with my life I don't live in conscious God reality as if this God is my God (laughs) and I live in relation to that. Living, assuming God reality, that nothing is impossible for God, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, that that he's the same God that we read about in 2 Kings chapter 6 here. Um, So what difference does it make? You know, I think in a very practical way it should make a difference. If we live in God reality, asking God to open our eyes to see him and live in relationship to him, we... It'll make a difference in our relationships with our spouses, (laughs) our kids, our bosses, our fellow students, because we're going to be living in relation to who God is and how God wants us to respond to them and how God would enable us to live with compassion towards them, Uh, unafraid because of the challenges and obstacles that we might be facing, because we know that God is greater and bigger than all that. Living in God reality. How do we see things from God's perspective? Just to kind of summarize things, we need to believe these are real stories. Not hard to believe. Because so often we have so reduced our perspective to what we can see, touch, taste, that these seem like fairy tales to us. And we need to be people who believe that this is true. This is reality. And maybe our reality needs to become God's reality. Number one, we need to be people that believe this is reality. And number two, then people who pray. uh, Open my eyes to see. To see things, God, from your perspective. To see this challenge and this obstacle and this individual from your perspective and not just from my fleshly perspective. Open my eyes to see and then to consciously be individuals who live in light of who God is for who we are in the thick of life. Not this dichotomy. Spending time with Jesus right now. Okay, now I'm going to go live life. (laughs) But God, open my eyes to see and bring you into life, so I'm living God reality. Let's pray. God, these things are hard because we have so reduced our vision. Uh, In so many ways, we're just nearsighted. We see what's in front of us, which we can touch and see instead of what is every bit as much real, God, your reality, who you are for who we are, and the God that you want to be for us. God, help us to be people that just, our eyes are open to see you, who we are, who you are for us, that living in your reality, Father, others might see you also and be drawn to you.